the tjflyways.com podcast. Here is your host, TJ Buckenbarger. Hello, world. On this edition of the tjslideways.com podcast, it's going to get a little heavy because we have Kevin Feeney on the show. And Kevin's best known today as the COO of the Edelbrock Group and has uh, done a marvelous job working his way up uh, through the ranks of motorsports and the automotive industry in his career. But uh, I've known Kevin for the better part of 25 years and watching him race sprint cars for well over 30 uh, starting out with the sprints on dirt and eventually kind of transitioning to become a, quite a star in the wing pavement sprint car scene. Uh, he was known for his hammer down style and uh, uh, same track records. It was always something he had to have an eye peeled on. I always check at all times. But this past winter, uh, we were all really close to losing Kevin uh, to COVID. Uh, Feeney came down with some of the worst symptoms, some of the stuff you read about in the news that you would just shake your head at and just go, man, I'm glad I'm not going through that. Well, Kevin went through it all. Uh, uh, he came down sick over the winter uh, while visiting his family at home and eventually went from the point of being in a coma to two weeks ago competing with the all-value bumper-to-bumper super sprints. It's just a remarkable story. So I reached out to Kevin. I was thinking about him out at Knoxville this week. As I always joke, he's one of the first Michigan sprint cars I ever saw footage of at Knoxville Raceway with his purple race car with those orange wheel covers on him. And uh, I thought about it. Now, while I was driving home, I'd reached out to him to see if he wanted to talk about this. And uh, uh, he did. And uh, so we sat down and talked about his journey. That is just unbelievable. It was emotional for me to do it and emotional for him to it just it was unbelievable for me to hear it. And uh, I hope you get as much out of it as I did doing the interview. So without further ado, here's Kevin Feeney. Kevin Feeney, we were just talking before this interview of all the guests I've ever done this with. I think I've never been happier to talk to one than you. Well, I appreciate that, TJ. I'm uh, glad to be in a position to talk to you. Uh, I, uh, where do we start with this? You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people probably don't know your story right now. I'll give a little background. You're a veteran sprint car driver from Michigan. You've been what doing this for almost 30 years now, right? If I'm adding the math right. I I have. I uh, started racing sprint cars at uh, 18 years old, and I'm 52 now. Wow, man, it makes me even feel old. So it's, uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and you've made, you've carved out a nice little niche for yourself in the pavement sprint cars. And now you play with super modifieds a little bit. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but what you've been through the past year is nothing short of remarkable for, uh, you know, talking to me at the moment and to where do we even start? Where did this all start? You know, when when did you start not feeling well, and when did your journey, I guess, through this crazy year begin? So, unfortunately, it started right at Christmas. Um, Christmas Eve, I drove uh, back to Michigan from my home in Memphis and uh, uh, spent the time with my kids. And uh, Christmas Day, I started feeling a little under the weather. Um, the next day, I uh, went to the doctor to get tested. Uh, they I came back negative for covid uh, they treated me for bronchitis, and then uh, within the week, I uh, was back getting tested, and they diagnosed me with COVID and double pneumonia, um, and I was hospitalized uh, on New Year's Eve. Wow. And at that point, you know, I don't, you know, we don't have to go through all the details, but you're de- 
your condition had deteriorated significantly. Like there's, there's a couple points where we, like I was starting to seriously think about writing some very reflective things about you. I'll be honest. I mean, it convey the audience. It did not look good initially. No, no, it was not. Uh, it spiraled downhill very fast. Uh, so I was admitted on, uh, on New Year's Eve. Um, they put me right into uh, ICU, and I was at a, uh, a Beaumont facility in Troy, Michigan, originally. Um, they treated me uh, within, uh, I guess, a matter of a couple days for COVID. Uh, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but they put me on the Remzadir drug, uh, which was kind of the, you know, the, the solution to COVID. Um, I was on that for five days, and unfortunately, I uh, didn't have any positive results to that. Uh, and at that point, they had communicated to me that I was going to, I was going to have to go uh, on a ventilator, um, and uh, you know that was, I guess, uh, at, at that point in time when I realized uh, how serious the situation had, had gotten. Um, and uh, you know, I, I start reflecting on on myself and you know the position I was in, uh, and uh, having to get my house in order in just a matter of uh, you know hours at that point before I got put on a ventilator. And at that point. Th- th- how long were you actually on the vent and uh, for a lack of a better term out of commission, like out of commission or maybe out of consciousness? So right about the end of the first week of January, uh, uh, the first step was a ventilator. Um, and then uh, the, the second step, uh, they told me I had to go on ECMO treatment, which, you know, at the time I was not even aware of what uh, familiar what ECMO was. Um, and ECMO is, is basically a, a heart and lung bypass machine. Um, what it does is it uh, it relieves the the body so it doesn't have to work as hard, uh, you know, oxygen oxygenate in your blood um, to you know you know let your your body heal. Um, and they told me, uh, you know, I would be on the ECMO for two months. Uh, they said it's uh, typically two months to get through that, and they said the success rate's only you know in the 40 percentile range uh, of COVID. But you know they they gave me at that point in time. I said that was my only chance of survival. Um, and unfortunately, ECMO um, in treatment isn't uh, readily available. Uh, so the hospital I was at did not have it. Um, their sister hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan had it, and University of Michigan had it. So, um, and both of those hospitals were following my case. Um, and you, you know, it was very stringent qualification. Uh, I mean, not to be cold about it, but you know, they wanted to make sure you had a, a good chance of survival before they utilized the resource for it. Uh, so, you know, they did a deep dive into my medical history and, you know, wanting to know if I was a smoker, I had any underlying conditions. And, uh, um, you know, again, both hospitals were uh, following my case. And then, uh, fortunately, uh, an opening came up at the Royal Oak Beaumont facility. And they, at that point, uh, I was already on a ventilator and they put me in an induced coma and they, they life-flighted me from one facility to the other uh, to get me on the ECMO treatment. So... Um, from that point in time, uh, that was uh, right about the end of the first week of January, and then I didn't come out of it. I actually made it through the uh, the ECMO treatment in five and a half weeks, which was kind of uh, you know unheard of for them at the time. And uh, I started to come to right about the middle of February, around the 15th of the month. That I can't even imagine so. what that must feel like. You to wake up in five and a half weeks. Did you realize how much time had passed, or did you know? Uh, what, what happens when you wake up from five and a half weeks? Yeah, so I, I woke up to uh, uh, watch the Daytona 500. Um, 
you know, and it, it really, uh, honestly, I think it took about a week for me to, uh, you know, really fully come out of the, you know, the induced coma because, uh, you know, that uh, kind of wean my, they had to wean myself off of the drugs, um, you know, and get some clarity. Uh, unfortunately, I was unable to communicate because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't walk. Uh, well, I certainly couldn't walk. I hadn't been out of bed, um, but I, I couldn't talk. Um, you know, they had me on a feeding tube and I had a, a trach and, um, you know, so I couldn't communicate, uh, you know, my, my fine motor skills weren't working. I couldn't even, uh, write on a whiteboard initially. Um, so just trying to start to communicate was, uh, was a whole new thing. And then, uh, trying to ask questions of, you know, where am I at? How'd I get here? You know, what's, what's happened? Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a, quite an, uh, an ordeal, um, and unfortunately, we were under COVID restrictions at that time in the hospital. So, um, you know, my, uh, my family was not even allowed to visit uh, initially. Everything was being done um, over FaceTime. And uh, then eventually they opened up the, uh, the hospital for visitors and we could get one a day. And obviously that's where the work really begins to and where you started and where you ended. At what point did you tell yourself, okay, it's time to start working at this and trying to get better. Um, that was right at the, 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 the end of February, I guess, when I finally kind of came to. Um, you know, they didn't actually get me bedside until the, the end of February, uh, where I, uh, you know, attempted to stand for the first time. Um, I could only do that for, uh, you know, a matter of about 30 seconds. Um, you know, and that's when, you know, mentally I had to, to wrap my head around, you know, um, you know, the, the process that was going to have to take place to, uh, you know, to get my health back. And I, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I mean, so, I mean, you obviously put the work in, you know, how, how, how difficult was the work to get back to where you are right now? Uh, I mean, it was a challenge. Uh, you know, they'd signed me up for physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Uh, I went in and did the evaluation. Um, you know, at that point in time, uh, you know, one of the evals for physical was therapy was uh, a six minute walk. Um, and, you know, they said you could stop and rest. Um, but if you had to sit down, you know, they had, they had to stop, uh, you know, in the evaluation. And um, I was a minute into it and they stopped the evaluation at that point because I was still walking, but they uh, took my pulse ox and my pulse ox had dropped, uh, you know, below 80% already, you know, and you should be in the, you know, 96 to 98% range. Um, you know, and at that point, you know, they, they told me I would be in therapy for 20 weeks. And, uh, uh, and how long were you actually in therapy? Uh, I was in therapy for about five and a half weeks. <laughs> so, what I what I need to come down to is to kind of combine this as to your competitive. How much does your competitive nature, being a race car driver, maybe help you in that situation? Um, uh, I mean, I think it's in in, in our DNA, right? Um, uh, you know, I've got a, a, a photo that I haven't shared with many, but I would share with with you, and uh, um, I think it puts it in perspective. Let me. Just to look on my face, and this is the first time they let me sit up in the bed, and I was I was determined from the get go. Um, you know, I was not going to let COVID beat me. Um, and you know, even before I went on a ventilator, uh, you know, I kind of used the term uh, with my my family. Uh, um, I said, "I'm in it to win it." I said, "You know, uh, failure is not an option here." 
and obviously, you know, that first in-person meeting with the family had to be a huge breakthrough for you. Uh, could you even describe the emotions in that moment? Uh, no, it's, it's very difficult to, um, you know, and it was, it was piecemeal because, uh, uh, you know, at that point in time, they'd only let one person in the hospital at a time um, per day. Um, so they were, they were having to rotate. Um, and it really wasn't until I got discharged to where I was able to uh, uh, spend any time with, you know, with all my kids. Um, um, you know, and that was uh, March 10th. You know, so I was in the hospital for 70 days on the first stint. Um, and I say the first stint because I did have some some under uh, some issues um, with blood clots, uh, uh, which is a side effect of COVID, um, that they had to put me back in the hospital, um, for a few days afterwards. So all these hospital so. stays and everything you've been through, and we should preface that you just got done driving a race car a couple weeks ago. So let's, from the point of where you're starting to be on the upswing, the physical therapy is going good. At what point does it come to your mind? Like, maybe I can drive again. Uh, well, the, the first goal was to get on, uh, to get on my motorcycle. I'm a big fan of me riding it around the, uh, the neighborhood. Um, probably prematurely. I wasn't ready, but, uh, um, you know, I always had it on my mind. I mean, throughout my whole hospital stint, um, you know, my kids kind of said, you know, you've, you've, you know, you're retired from racing. <laughs> and, uh, I just went along with it and agreed to it. Um, you know, knowing in the back of my mind, uh, you know, I'm going to go out on my terms, <laughs> not, uh, not because of something like COVID. And then how, what was the reaction at the racetrack a couple of weeks ago when you pulled in? Cause you didn't tell anybody as far as I know, I didn't know you were showing up. I didn't, I haven't talked to anyone that did know you were showing up. No, it all, uh, came to the rather quick matter of fact uh, uh i actually had a, an opportunity to drive wayne stickney's car at kalamazoo race uh that got rained out um and uh, I, I know auto value was wanting to uh, to name who the driver was and and wayne wouldn't tell him i wasn't telling anybody i was uh, planning on running uh unfortunately the event got rained out and then uh, the tuesday before the king of the wing events uh you know i got a phone call um uh, and it was a, a combination between Tom Hartzell and Davey Hamilton Jr. Um, had put an opportunity together to run for Mike Anderson racing out of Idaho. Um, so we exchanged contact information. Um, I guess Tuesday night I was actually in, in California for work. And uh, I reached out to Mike and he said, yeah, I've got a car. He said, if, you, you know, if you're interested in driving. And I said, it's not a problem. I just got to fly back to, to Memphis, Tennessee tomorrow and then uh, – you know, come drive up to Kentucky. And uh, so I didn't really tell anybody I was coming in, so I come riding in on my motorcycle. <laughs> so days of Thunderstow, you come riding in on your motorcycle. Oh, yeah, I about died three months ago. Here I am at the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I, if that isn't the most Kevin Feeney thing ever, I don't know what is, knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it definitely uh, it shocked a lot of people. Um, um, and, you know, like I said, it was just uh, it was something personally I, I I just felt I needed to do it for myself. Um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't have the best uh, results racing. Uh, you know, first night, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll step up to the pump. I, drew, I ran out of talent, uh, was involved in a crash that was all my fault. Uh, 
uh, didn't get fired. You know, they let me come back to, to run the next two nights, and we, we chased some some engine uh, issues. But, uh, you know, just to be able to get back in the car, um, you know, was just a great feeling. And, you know, the unknowns was, uh, you know, getting in a car, you know, putting a hood sock on, putting a helmet on, um, you know, after I had all these respiratory issues. And, um, you know, honestly, when I got out of the hospital, I'm thinking, how am I ever going to do that? And I couldn't imagine putting a helmet on, you know, and uh, the weather, you know, was, you know, typical for the time of year. You know, we were in the 90s, high humidity. Um, so it was uh, kind of a personal stress test on my body. And as far as how when you actually pushed off and you put, put the gas down for the first time, was it pretty much like riding a bike again for the most part? I mean, uh, you know, or you know, how could you describe that after going through all that and taking that first session and putting your foot down on the gas? You know, it's uh, kind of a typical of my years uh, of racing. Um, you know, I probably had more nerves and, um, you know, coming into that event than I've had in a number of years because you just kind of get complacent. Um, uh, but as soon as you flip the switch and that engine fires off, it's like – kind of left everything behind um and then it was uh you know riding a bike getting getting back up on uh, on the wheel was there any point after the weekend was over to reflect on everything about the the journey about the beginning and where you ended at that point uh there, there was uh you know as again i uh i rode 850 miles on my motorcycle <laughs> uh, from start to finish of that trip so uh you know i had a three and a half hour ride home to to reflect on it and I, I'm rarely lost for words, but th- this is just so unbelievable for me. And then I see you with pictures of the super modified and, you know, this has been something you've been working on a little bit, even pre COVID. Let's talk about the bingo five and uh, Burnett Bennett and the super modified. And what's going on with that? Yeah. So I got introduced to uh, Burdett through his uh, brother a number of years ago who uh, kind of worked on uh, Marv Carmen's car while I was driving it. And uh, I had the opportunity to run it for uh, a very short time, uh, probably four or five years ago. Uh, unfortunately, Burdett's, uh, you know, wife fell ill and he had to step away from racing for a couple of years. And uh, we reunited last year and uh, we got out and run a few events, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a a funny story necessarily i guess but you know burdette was uh you know telling me you know i'm you know my house not what it used to be and you know i, I might have to think about you know uh, away from racing and um you know he's uh, you know bought some some health issues and uh, getting some heart stents put in and um you know i was more kind of focused on him i said listen race car can sit your health's more important and then uh you know we finally had a breakthrough last year in regards to kind of getting this set up to work because it was a new new car design. Uh, he'd repurposed uh, a chassis that he had, uh, came up with his uh, his own design suspension, uh, very similar to, you know, uh, current Indy cars. And, he, um, and we finally got the, the setup and got our engine woes uh, put behind us. And uh, we were running fourth at Lorraine. I was running double duty, running a sprint car in the uh, Super Mod. And just finished the sprint car race, and we were running fourth, and we unfortunately had a suspension part fail. And the car made a, a hard right turn, ride. Uh, I got it well before I got to the trees, um, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, as I come in on a flatbed, um, you know, here's the car owner, you know, that is uh, grinning ear to ear. 
Uh, first time I've had a car owner smile at me as I'm riding back on, uh, on the back of a flatbed <laughs> with his tore-up race car. And uh, he said, man, we were fast. He goes, I'm going to build a new car. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, we, we went home from that event, and uh, he started uh, designing a new car, and uh, you know, he's well underway with the construction of it. Now, is Super Modified Racing something throughout your payments for car racing career you kind of looked at and said, I'd like to do that? Or was it just the opportunity of meeting uh, Burdett that kind of made your desire or created your desire to do it? It's always been intriguing to me, uh, you know, the super mods. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, they, I'm not going to say they don't have rules. They do have rules, but, you know, they're, you know, every car is uh, somewhat unique in the super mod. Um, but they managed to, you know, have a rule package that, you know, gives the the car builder and the, you know the team a create you know a room for creativity, uh, yet you know a rule package to maintain some cost containment. So, um, you know, it's always been of interest. Uh, um, probably more more so in probably the last six or seven years when we were running some uh, co co events um, down at Sandusky Speedway. Um, you know, that's where I really piqued my interest in it. And so now you've gotten the sprint car races under your belt. You've got that super modify on construction. It sounds odd, but what do you have planned for the rest of the year? Well, the, the super mod, I'm not sure we're going to hit the track this year. Um, he's got a little bit of work in their, their season starting to wind down here. Uh, as far as the sprint cars, uh, season, uh, we were planning on running Kalamazoo here next week, but, uh, you know, I got word that they've switched that to an on event. Um, and, uh, you know, the car owners, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, hasn't run non-wing with that car before. And, um, you know, it's just uh, not something that he's interested in doing or, or myself. Um, so uh, I got one race left on the schedule, and that's going to be a must race uh, in October at Montgomery, Alabama. Um, and that one we're going to have our, our car back together for. Oh, very um, cool. So. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I, with me getting sick, my 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 crew was not planning on racing this year, and um, I kind of caught them by surprise. And I called them up, uh, you know, probably four weeks ago, and said, "Hey, uh, how soon do you think we could get that car together?" <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, it's sitting in pieces. So yeah, I can see that. I'll still lobby for orange wheels. For those that you don't know, Kevin started his career in a sprint car that purple. That was purple with bright neon orange wheels. And we're talking about, he actually took a trip out to Knoxville in that car, which actually kind of made me think about calling you this week after uh, this all went down. And uh, I, I still want, I still want a purple 6K with orange wheels at some point. <laughs> but we got a purple car. I'll just have to dig up some some orange wheels. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we uh, we did the throwback. Our, our, our pavement car now is, uh, is the uh, 6K. Oh, that's so I'll just have to find some some orange wheels, but uh, yeah, that was 1991 when I went and competed in the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, that was a memorable trip in itself. Man, it just it doesn't seem that long ago at times, man. I really no. so, so you know we this I can't even I I'm still wrapping my head around the journey you've been on over the past few months. If, if what's one thing you would tell anybody about your experience and about how your outlook on life maybe has changed or something you would try to convey to somebody that you've learned throughout this entire process? Yeah, I mean, uh, it definitely put uh, life in a, uh, in perspective here. I mean, uh, you know, tomorrow's not a guarantee. You know, you got to live every day to the fullest. Uh, 
Um, you know, and uh, you know, I've been uh, very dedicated to my uh, my career, and my my job over the years here, and uh, putting in a lot of hours, and uh, you know, got to find that work life balance, um, and uh, you know, spend time with uh, with friends, and uh, you know, uh, the racing community is my family as well. Um, you know, and that's something that uh, I've been missing. Yeah, and uh, well, I can tell you firsthand, we're really glad you're still here. I'm, I don't know if I've ever been happier to do an interview with someone at this point. So, uh, I, man, I'm really glad you're here and, uh, uh, way to go. I mean, to have that kind of fighting spirit to be able to overcome that. And, and I, I just, I don't even have words for it, man. I mean, it, it impresses the hell out of me. And, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know what else I could say. Yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate the, uh, you know, the attention I got to by the doctors and the nursing staff. It was exceptional. Uh, I can't wait to go back someday and personally thank them. Um, you know, my family and the kids. Uh, you know, I mean, they, uh, you know, they were here for the for the whole journey. Um, uh, you know, I just purchased a home in in uh, just outside of Memphis in December and hadn't even moved in, and. Uh, you know, when I woke up from uh, in my nap, <laughs> you know, my kids said, "Oh, by the way, Dad, we, uh, you know, we moved you out of your apartment into your house," and, uh, um, uh, and that was kind of a shocker. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be. It's like, well, you get the house now, but wow, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around it, man. Well, Kevin, I mean, it. I don't think it'll be hard to top any other guest I could ever have on this. <laughs> to i could be more thankful that i'm talking to man i mean we've known each other i don't want to put a number on this but we've probably known each other 25 <laughs> years now and uh and 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 i i am so happy to be able to do this with you and uh uh hopefully the next time we do this that super modified's on track though we got something a little ha- even though it's still a happy story maybe we can talk all shop at that point you know no more scares <laughs> okay man <laughs> so no, no sir all no, right sir well, I appreciate your time, Kevin, and uh, thank you for sharing your very inspirational story because I think it's probably one of my favorite stories of the whole year. Well, thanks, TJ. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out to me. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. I, mean, I don't know what to say after that one. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for sharing that amazing story with us. Nothing else really to say about that. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible, Pandora, Tuned In, and the Podbean app. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you down the road at a racetrack soon. Thank you for listening to the TJ Flyway Podcast.